Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog in the trees of a town called The Fort, where folks are full of love, and Adam is full of less than he'd wish to be. While Adam seeks for the missing parts of himself, I must warn you, listener discretion is advised. I got the ghost of you inside of was patient, and he was diligent. His eyes were searching, and his influence was spreading. It had only been a matter of time, in a place where time didn't matter until that time finally came, and in fact mattered very much to Edward August Hall, who feared his very existence and survival depended on it. He found the one, laughing into the nothing the one who traipsed its halls as comfortably as Edward August Hall clung to its walls. Piecing the puzzle together, starting with its edges and building it completely before moving his way in, cycling through his encyclopedic knowledge of the fort and those who built it, Edward's eyes turned to the form of the beast whose haunting jubilations shook his confidence to its very existentially abstract core. James, the boy. His form, but the darkness which followed him, was not his. No, Edward could see it wasn't. It was longer. It was more prevalent. It had weight and mass that didn't belong to the boy, and its edges were also undefined. As if it had known many forms. The figure of the one who walked through Edward August Hall's domain was that of James, but the shadow stitched to his heels was not his, and that laughter was not his, and nothing about him but his face and his bones and his skin was his. It was someone else. Something else. Edward followed the beast wearing boys' clothes or rather manipulated the distance between them like focusing his eyes that could encompass worlds, focusing them and in doing so folding the space between them like paper, bringing them so close to one another that Edward August Hall could see and hear everything and yet still, 
separated by the folds in his domain and the folds of the physical world. Well, this certainly looks like the cave that Cretan described. Oh, I swear if Jacob lied to me, oh, 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 I'll rip far more from him than his arms. Oh, Ben, where are you? Ben. <laughs> Uh, for some silly reason, I thought that might actually work. Adam descended further into the cave, and like Tom before him as he searched for Ben, the lichen-like blooms of dusty luminescence began to illuminate the cavernous tunnel into the bowels of the fort, where Adam hoped Ben would be, waiting for him. Curious, Edward August Hall thought, as he watched Adam descend into a world hidden. His interest was piqued, because while he knew many things, and saw many things, everything in fact, he could not see what was not spoken of, and what was not thought of or dreamt of. And so deep was the pain of Ben that no one spoke of him. So deep was the denial of Ben that no one dreamt of him. Not while he'd been watching and waiting and eating and swelling, not during the tenure of his godhood. Edward felt a human tugging of excitement at his heart for the smallest of moments. The smallest tinge of nostalgia crept in as he remembered standing so still and silent, willing himself not to shiver in the cold as he stood at the edge of the LaPont property, waiting patiently for days, and then weeks, waiting to know what had happened to Ben. The boy, everyone was all too eager and willing to forget. was more of a drop than I'd expected. But would you look at that? Hello, Ben. It's you. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is me. You've been waiting a long time for this, haven't you? That's exactly what I had planned to do. Oh, thank you. 
Trust me, Ben, I know. Now, a friend was supposed to tell me exactly how to get you where you need to be, but he was sorely lacking in answers. So, could you bear with me? Okay? Just, just a little more pain until you're home. can sleep a good long while. I'd say you've earned it. Adam stared at what remained of the boy for a moment before weighing his options. Bending over, he picked up a jagged piece of dislodged bedrock and tossed it lightly up and down, weighing the gray stone in his hand. It would be a mercy as he raised the rock above him, pausing for a moment. Poor Ben. Adam felt the tragedy of what had befallen him acutely. It was cruel what Mother Cyprian had done. Interestingly, that wasn't a first for Adam, passing judgment on the cruelty of others, but the sheer brutality of the actions taken against the boy were shocking even to his ambiguous morality. Stitched to stone and earth, paralyzed, mutilated, rotting senseless and left alone with nothing but the windy seashell sounds and the dripping wetness of the pit that Ben inhabited. Was that justifiable to Mother Cyprian? Or Alfie? Or Jacob? It was something for Adam to treat people that way, with so much disdain, treating them to so much pain. But Adam was not people. He was apart from the rest, a singular entity unlike most others. But Ben was one of them, made of the same bone and sinew and flesh and muscle, brains and fat that they were, and they left him like this? Unacceptable. It was barbaric and cruel and the hypocrisy of it made his bones hot and his face tight in anger. Adam raised the stone higher, feeling the organic matter of his arms and torso tighten before bringing the stone down with passionate ferocity intent on releasing Ben with one merciful blow from what was remaining of his skull in face, trying his best to connect with enough force to shatter and decimate all those parts of him that remained and felt pain and experienced thought and love and loss. 
Adam raised the rock again for good measure and brought it down once more on the barely living remains of Ben Lapont, finally ending any light that might have flickered dimly and diluted within him. A swift mercy for such prolonged agony. Well, now all I need to do is figure out how to get back from you what rightfully belongs to me. Adam pulled a coin from his pocket. His lucky coin. Iron and pitted, rough and sharp along its edges, with the smooth and flourished letter L pressed into its face. Hmm. Well, let's see here. Heads, I have a late dinner, and I eat them. Tails, I try and figure out how to pull my shadow out of him, just like the tiller did with Tom. Having firmly made his will clear and stated his wish to the coin, rubbing it firmly with the meaty pad of his thumb, he propped it up on his thumbnail before flicking it up into the air and watched it as it fell into the palm of his hand. Damn! Well, that's no fun. Aw, oh, I was hoping for heads. Adam kissed the face of the coin before placing it back into his pocket and looked once more at the misformed and mutilated remains of Ben LaPont. Well, Ben, looks like we're gonna have to make do. I didn't bring my finest knives with me, so I'll have to improvise a bit. Hope that's fine by you. Waiting a moment for a response that would not come, Adam rolled up the sleeves of his shirt and began scouring the caves for sharp pieces of flint or shale before addressing the oozing heap of fungal-infected bone and rotten flesh that once was a boy named Ben. Well, once I've shaved my shadow away from your bones, I guess all that's left is to chop down that lousy tree they nailed me to. And, of course, Peggy. Oh, <laughs> I'm saving her for last, Ben, because she'll be the most fun. Like a little rabbit, she'll run and run. But trust me, I'll take what's mine from that little thief. Edward had been patient, eaten only what was readily handed to him. He had hid himself in the folds and starved himself prioritizing the need to stay concealed more important than his need to watch and by watching grow. And he finally had it. Some small inkling of an upper hand on this beast and boy's clothing. And by filtering through his encyclopedic knowledge, Edward could now name the thing as Adam. This, this moment, provided the avenue to curb the influence Adam had on his domain, some way to right the wrongs of his power. And it all came down to Peggy. He'd watched Mother Cyprian, Alfie, and Jacob dissect some unfamiliar and more mature form of this Adam, as it had been shown to that same young girl named Peggy having found her way into his domain as well for a short time. Edward hadn't seen her. No, she'd been long gone by that point, 
but the echo of her remained, and the images of what she'd been shown were burnt for a time like sun-aged paper on the walls of his domain. It had glimmered like impressionistic fractals and dust. Edward had watched the trio stuff Adam's remains in an oak tree in the nervous late-night recollections of the farmer too restless to sleep named Alfie. Those memories stung like salt on his tongue. Edward August Hall saw and gorged himself on the vivid nightmares of Mother Cyprian recounting when first she pulled the baby boy from the roots of that same oak tree where they'd minced his nemesis into small, blood-soaked bites. The old woman, determined despite her frail arms, had dug and dug and dug until she dug her way beneath the gigantic and monstrous oak. And from her labors came the prize... Edward August Hall could finally make sense of such an outrageous scene. An old woman, adorned in a gaudy cross, emerging from the underbelly of an oak holding a child covered in dirt. She had looked like a truffle-hunting pig partaking in its own spoils. With a sharp knife, she pulled from a pocket in the folds of her gown, she cut the umbilical cord from his belly. An umbilical cord through which the tree had fed and nursed the boy, a root. It fell back, stubbornly into the deceptively large pit she had dug as she swaddled the crying infant before stealing away into the night. And with that nightmare, there were more bundled with it, spotted images including the birth of Tom who'd been pulled some years later from that same earth beneath the tree and then after Tom young Piggy LaPont as well. Edward August Hall could see it all, and for the first time in his two lives. First the life of a simple mortal, and then that of a self-proclaimed god. He felt like he'd discovered the hidden conspiratorial truths he'd yearned for, that he'd watched for for so long. Adam would not usurp him, or evict him, not from that place of omnipotence, not from his dark throne on the edge of nothing and annihilation. Edward could stop him, stop him from completing himself, stop him from assembling the pieces of himself which seemed to have been scattered into the walking, talking meat of the fort through the roots of a tree who drank in the elixir of Adam's own essence and had become something greater than its initial intent. Oh, he couldn't do much about the oak, which could not run or hide, and stood dumbstruck and rooted in place, spouting its nonsense and dreams of things no tree dare dream of. No, the oak who had fashioned itself into a god of the woods in its own ridiculous fashion was as good as kindling and good riddance as far as Edward was concerned. But Peggy... Little Peggy, who he'd seen grow and cry and laugh and play and hug her mother tight so many times, all he had to do was keep her out of Adam's reach. If he could keep her from Adam, then he'd be safe and supreme in his reign of that place he had joined with. He would keep watching and growing 
and taking in the offerings of the fort. In time, he would reach those unseen things in other pockets beyond the void of nothing. Those ancient slumbering things whose forms eluded him and dizzied him in what he could feel but not see. All he had to do was prevent Adam from reaching Peggy. No matter the cost. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? Or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die? In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers, or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. I got the ghost of you inside of me.